we're in Titus. We're getting very close to the end here. And we're in chapter 3. Paul wrote this letter to Titus so he could kind of set things in order in Crete and appoint elders. How does the church uh, function and look in a culture that is very much opposed to God and the gospel? And how does that look in our individual lives, chapter 2? And then how do we relate to an unjust you know, government where you know, the emperor calls himself God himself and um, wants people to worship him and all these things. And we talked about that in chapter 3, how, we, how a Christian relates to government and yet tries to honor the Lord. And how do we relate to other people that aren't Christians or who are Christians? Um, how does that look? And then on to how that affects how, how we treat others flows from what God has done in our lives through the gospel. And in each one of those chapters, he's appealing to who God is and what the gospel is and how that flows out into our lives and into the church and into how we treat others. And so here we are in chapter 3, which is the longest section on the gospel, and we're just going through basically all the various um, facets of the gospel. So we, well, why don't we read, and I'll just kind of recap as we go, kind of stop in the middle. But let's start. Um, in verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4. This is, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So, we talked about this first verse, first two verses here in this section on the gospel where he talks about the goodness and loving kindness of God appearing and he saved us. He talks. We talked the first time about just how the gospel is not just something God does for us uh, objectively, although it is that. Um, it's not just a ticket to heaven. The gospel is not just, wow, it's good news that I uh, get my sins forgiven and I don't have to be punished and that I avoid suffering. That's part of the gospel, but that we can't divorce the gospel from the person of God. And we talked about these two words, the goodness and loving kindness of God when they appeared, that the gospel is flowing out of the heart of God. The reason God wants to save us is because of who he is and how he loves sinners. And we see that in Jesus. Jesus, God became a man to live with sinners because he loves people, even sinful people, lost, hateful, hurtful, and, you know, we went through this list here that Paul goes in in verses uh, 3, 1 through 3, about how messed up we were, and we all are, apart from Christ. And that is who God loves. God loves messed up sinners who hate one another, who are envious, who are greedy, who are going after all these various uh, passions and pleasures and uh, forsaking God. And so we can't miss God in the gospel, right? That the gospel flows out of God's heart, how he loves us. And also, that's the part of the good news, is that we get to know God. It's not just that we get our sins forgiven and we don't have to be punished. It's that we get to know God. We get to be reconciled to God again. 
And so we talked about that. And then two weeks ago, uh, we did, did the first half on justification. So he, Paul kind of splits here justification at the beginning and the end of this. He covers it kind of twice. But we talked about justification when he says he saves us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. And then jumping ahead to verse 7. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we talked about justification. And the way we normally talk about justification, we kind of define it as being righteous, counted righteous by God, even though we're not righteous. And it's, it's a legal term. The word in Greek actually is very similar to the word righteous. So that's how we normally define it. And the way we talked about it last time was actually using the way a little bit different talked about it freeing us justification is freedom and we just read some of these verses like acts 13 38 and 39 where in trying to get across the full meaning of justification they actually translate the word as freed so i'll read that to you here therefore let it be known to you brethren that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you and through him everyone who believes is freed or justified but that doesn't really work well in English, is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. And the reason we kind of talked about it as being, as being freed is, well, being declared righteous under the law is the way we normally talk about it. But what does that really mean? Well, it means you're freed from the guilty verdict. You're free from the punishment. You're free from the wrath. And it kind of makes sense of a lot of these other verses that we think about that bring in this idea of justification. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn. So you see the idea of freedom there connected. It's like if you've been freed by God through the blood of Jesus, of course you can't be condemned. You can't be put back under the law. You've already been freed. And then you see it on the negative side, which um, we'll kind of talk more about today. That's all just recap. And today is kind of the second half of the message on justification. So I said last time, kind of got long, and so... Instead of doing one super long message, I'm going to do two short messages for all the um, moms and everyone else um, who, like, if you're like me, if it gets to be eight or nine points, you're not, I'm, I wouldn't remember it. So <laughs> I figure might as well shorten it up to two shorter messages. Okay, so here we're back on justification. So we're in this section on justification, and we talked about what justification is, and now we're going to talk about why why is it that Paul, in this really short letter, you know, it's only 46 verses, spends a good chunk of it just over and over, going over the gospel again and again in different ways? And it comes back to really what we talked about at the very beginning of Titus a while ago is the essentials. Like, he talks about the faith delivered for, you know, um, what is the faith? What are the essentials? It's who God is and what is the gospel? How can we be made right with God? And so it's really important that we get this idea of justification. Um, and I'll give you four, four reasons here. The first reason is there is only one gospel. There's only one gospel. So as Paul is getting this across, he wants to take time in this short letter, very short. We talked about how it's possible that he just didn't have very much paper. In our you know, context, we don't think about that. Well, why would Paul not write a longer letter? Well, you remember in Acts when he's, uh, it might not be in Acts. 
I, f- I forget where it is off the top of my head, but Paul asks, send me the papers, you know, send me, um, basically send me the papers. And um, he may not have had paper. And paper wasn't like it is today where if you're in jail and they're like, oh, sure, here's some paper, it's throw away, you know, it's no big deal. It actually was more expensive. Um, and they might not just want to give him some paper, right? And so he's he may just have had a short, he may not have been able to afford to send this letter all the way, um, whether that's because he didn't have enough paper or, you know, ha- however that works. But he wrote this short letter, and he each one of these verses is important. He spends this time on justification and on the gospel over and over, hits it every time in chapter 1, 2, and 3, and then in this longer section in chapter 3. And one of the reasons I think it's really important and is that there's only one gospel. This is really important to get across when he's writing this letter to Crete is there's only one gospel. This is one thing we can't afford to get wrong, right? And there's two. There's two main things that separate real Christianity from false Christianity. Who is God and what is the gospel? And Paul says in Galatians, uh, here's a verse that Paul says in Galatians about there only being one gospel. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called to you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Paul's trying to tell us and teach us and share with Titus and through Titus the believers in Crete the one true gospel. There's only one. And so we can't get this wrong. We can't get justification wrong and be Christians. We can't be justified by our works and be Christians. And so it's a really big deal here that we go over this, what we talked about, being freed by the blood of Jesus from our sins, not based on our own works, because anything else is not the gospel. So that is the first point. And these are all, all four points here of why this is important are going to kind of build on one another and kind of overlap a little bit. The second is very clearly that justification is by faith alone. Justification is by faith alone. So when he says we're justified, it's through what Jesus did. Jesus is the one who saves us from our sins through his blood. And it's by faith. It's not by our works. And he clearly brings that out and wants to point that out here in Titus 3. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. We're not justified by our works. Um, We can't be. And I'm going to give you several verses here on this, which you're probably familiar with, but just... This is really important that it's not by our works that we're justified by faith. So uh, several of them are from Romans and, and some from Galatians. I'll just read these to you here because I'm going to kind of jump around quite quickly. I am e- eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. This is from Romans 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And I'll read you another section here, Romans 3. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So notice that right there, that we're justified by our faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our, our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that no, that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Again, Romans, this is chapter 4. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, 
his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing to, of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Last one, this is Galatians 2. Yet we, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, so that we also have believed in Jesus. Remember, faith and belief are the same word there. One's a noun and one's a verb. In order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Okay, so the reason he takes time here to bring out the negative is without, without this idea that we're justified by faith apart from works, it's not the gospel. It's not Jesus saves us by faith and our works working together. It's that Jesus saves us by faith apart from our works. And this is really, really important. Um, I guess, you know, one thing that might be helpful is I think many of you have heard this before, you know, many, many times. And so I, one way to kind of ask yourself, like, how, how much of a grasp do you have on this? Imagine somebody's talking to you, and they basically say, no, you're not justified by, by faith apart from works. You're justified by faith and works. Where would you go? What would you say to them, you know? Um, would you be able to take them to a verse? Would you be able to take them to a chapter? Would you be able to you know, express that to them? It's really important, um, both for yourself to know, really, not just that this is what we say here, but that this is what the Bible is teaching, right? This is what God says in his word. And then can you share that with somebody? Um, if I was going to, this is the way I would do it. This is not the way you have to do it, but the way I would do it is I would use Romans chapter 4 as a really good section and just read a couple verses and then stop and ask a question, like, what's going to come next? And ask them to, to kind of tell you what they think. And you go through the whole thing, and not only does it say it very clearly that we're justified apart from works, the whole chapter makes no sense if that's not true. I mean, it's building. It's not only is it saying it over and over, it's building an argument based on it. And then finally in five one it says, therefore... Uh, I'll just read it right to you. I don't want to get messed it up. Romans 5.1 is really helpful because Paul summarizes his own argument in Romans 4. And he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. <laughs> and so he summarizes his own argument, justification by faith. So Romans 4 is a really great chapter. If you ever get an opportunity to share this with someone, if you're ever talking to somebody who's um, a Mormon uh, who believes you're, ju- you're justified by faith and works, or a Catholic who believes you're justified by faith and works, or um, RLDS, who, um, or many of these other cults who are working their way. It's a great verse, great chapter to go through and just ask them, okay, you know, was Abraham justified before or after he did his good works? You know, if it's faith and works, is it before or after? And Paul says, it wasn't after, it was before. And then he quotes David. Blessed is the man to whom God counts righteousness with his works or apart from his works? Apart from his works, right? And then over and over this whole argument is building and it can only really lead you to one conclusion. We're justified by faith apart from our works. It's a really big deal. Like we said, 
going back to our first point, because there's only one gospel, that we're trusting something. We're trusting Jesus or are we trusting ourselves? And like we talked about last time, we don't want to have a self-righteousness. We don't want to have, end up being trusting our own righteousness to save us, to justify us. We want to trust Jesus. And so I'm going to turn here back to Titus. So that's the first point is that there's only one gospel. The second point is that we're justified by faith alone. This third point is similar to the first point, but it's the negative. Okay, It's the same point, but negative. Any other gospel is not the gospel. Any other gospel is not the gospel. There's one true gospel, and we can't mix anything in and still have the gospel. In Galatians, Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, anyone preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you have received, let him be accursed. There's another good kind of contrast with Romans um, chapter 4. He says, blessed, it's the opposite of being cursed, um, is the man to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. And if you have time and you're, you know, maybe you're reaching out to Catholics or whatever, it's worth reading in the Roman Catholic Catechism the sections on justification just so you can kind of talk um, knowing what they believe about it. Um, it's like in the 2000s, like 2000, I don't know if they call them verses, but like 2009 on in the Catholic Catechism. And then also the Council of Trent is a good place to read. But in the Council of Trent, it specifically says that you're accursed, um, that cursed is the man, anathema is the, way, the word they use, but it's a Greek word for accursed. Same word Paul uses here in Galatians about being cursed. Is someone who thinks their good deeds are not making them more righteous, but are just an evidence of being made righteous by Jesus. So they actually curse the person that the Bible blesses, right? It's pretty amazing contrast there. Um, but all that is to say, any other gospel is not the gospel. It's really important that we stick to what God has said. We don't want to mix any false teaching in, especially on the most essential parts. God and the gospel. Who is God and what is the gospel? Um, those are the two things that we can't get wrong. We can't be worshiping a false God and be a Christian. We can't be uh, believing a false gospel and be a Christian. So we've got to hold on to these things. And so I think that's very clear here why Paul's taking this extra time to point out the negative. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. It's man's natural instinct. We want to clean ourselves up. We want to justify ourselves. We want to have something in us that commends us to God. And it's when we come to God empty and realize, I can't clean myself up. I can't wash away my sin. I need you to do it, and I'm totally helpless that God gets the glory and God really saves us and he really washes us by his blood. It's very important. So here's the fourth point. Again, it's kind of all overlapping, but just to emphasize the same thing again. We cannot be justified by relying on our own works. We can't be. There's a lot of reasons here. Paul says that if we are try to justify ourselves based on our own works, we nullify the grace of God. Romans 11 says, So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it's no longer by works. 
Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. This is really kind of tying in with what Andy already said. Grace is a gift. Grace is a free gift. And if I say to you, hey, I've got a free gift for you. I've used this illustration before. I've got, let's see what's up here. I want to give you this book. It's free. All you have to do is come over to my house and work for an hour. Is that a free gift? No, it's not a free gift anymore. It's a wage. You're earning it by working. And it's the same if somebody says that to you, but in the spiritual world, in the spiritual realm. Hey, you're saved by grace. Jesus will save you by grace. All you have to do is go to confess your sins to the priest, do penance, get baptized, take communion, and then live a good life. That's not a gift anymore, right? That's a wage. You're earning it, and you deserve it. We don't want to nullify the grace of God. We don't want to turn grace into not grace. Um, That's a scary thing. For God to be offering you a free gift, and you say, I don't want it. I want to earn it. And God says, well, you can't earn it. That's terrible. To have this free gift right there available to you and you reject it, you know. And that's, that's a sad place to be and we don't want to be there. It's a serious thing to get this wrong. Um, Paul says that if we accept that our works are helping justify us, we're making void the cross work of Christ. Uh, this is in Galatians again. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law... Christ died for no purpose. It's a serious deal to say, this is what Jesus did on the cross, and I'm going to go against that. I'm going to say that you can be righteous through your works. Um, It's undercutting the whole point of why Jesus died for sinners, that he came to save the people who couldn't save themselves, to wash us by his blood, not by our righteousness. And then this ties back into one of the reasons I wanted to talk about justification as freedom. If we rely on our own works, we become debtors to, to keep the whole law. We're putting ourselves back under the bondage. We're not embracing the freedom of justification. Paul says this in Galatians. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no, no advantage to you. Just one example of works that they were saying would save you. I testify again, every man who accepts circumcision that he is obliged to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. See how all these are tying together? Freedom, equal justification, which is tied in with the idea of grace. It's a free gift. He's saying you're going to cut yourself off from all that. You're going to cut yourself off from Jesus. It's not, you're not going to be justified. You're, you're going to be falling away from grace and cutting yourself off from Jesus, putting yourself back under bondage. Okay, so this is all kind of a whirlwind. Many things you've already heard, probably just repeating. But then let's, let's just take this whole package and apply it, okay, to our lives. Why, does this, why take two messages and kind of give you all this fire hydrant of information and verses and ideas? This is a serious thing. So I'm going to give you some examples from history to kind of, well, history and we'll kind of apply it to our own lives. But imagine this. Imagine if... There was a guy, we heard he's coming to town, he's been going all over the country and causing a big stir, and um, you know, many people are coming because he's talking about how a person can be right with God. And he's coming to town, and a bunch of people are coming to this guy. And this guy, let's say his name, this is actually a guy from history, but I'm just trying to get you to imagine he's coming here to Kirksville, how you would react. Imagine this guy's name is Tetzel. Tetzel is coming to town, and this is what he's telling people about being how you can be right with God. 
He says this, As a coin into the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. If you put money right here in my little box, uh, your, your family will be right with God. Your family that's dead, they're going to get out of purgatory and they're going to go to heaven. That's real. That really happened, right? Um, actually, we can probably, it's a good example of that verse, God works all things together for good. Like, how is that good for somebody to be teaching this really evil thing about a false justification? Well, one way that actually turned for good was, it's one of the things that kind of pushed Luther to, like, write his thesis. It's like, uh, this isn't right. <laughs> and so one of the things he talked about was indulgences. So, and that's what they called this, you know, you giving the money and then somebody gets out. Um, they called him an indulgence. And, and the reason Tetzel was going around doing this is uh, Pope Leo X uh, authorized this, the sale of indulgences because he wanted to finish St. Peter's Basilica, and they needed some money to keep building this big building. So he sent Tetzel out to gather these. Here's some quotes from Tetzel. Come, and I will give you letters under steel by which even, this, uh, even the sins which you may have a desire to commit in the future will be forgiven. I would not exchange my privileges for that of St. Peter in heaven, for I have saved more souls by my indulgences than the apostle by his sermons. Think about that. That's uh, quite a statement. He says, I would rather, I'm, I'm a bigger deal than Peter. I saved a lot more souls than Peter ever did by his sermons, by carrying around this money box and people putting in their money. That's scary, right? That's really terrifying. Um, it's actually kind of eerily similar to Joseph Smith. He had a, there's a quote from Joseph Smith who says a very similar thing. He says, I have more to boast about than any man. Uh, the apostles uh, ran away from Jesus, deserted Jesus, but the Latter-day Saints never deserted me. Um, kind of an interesting, sad, sad quote. Again, kind of self. When you're justified by your works, what is it going to lead to? It's going to lead to self-righteousness. It's like if you doing good things makes you right with God, then you're going to be proud, right? You're going to end up being really proud because that's what's making you right with God. If you're a Christian, it's because of how good you are on the inside. Whereas the reality is we're saved not because we're awesome, because of all the awesome things we did. We're saved by what Jesus did for us. So this is a big deal. This, I mean, this whole idea of justification by faith started the Reformation, you know, and um, separated, you know, Protestants from the Reformers. It's a really, really big deal. And it's important. And although we don't have a guy like Tetzel coming to town, this false gospel is around all over. You know, whether it's uh, people that are saying they're Christians or even other religions that are saying um, that you can work your way to heaven like Islam. It's a really, really scary thing. And it's one of the reasons we really want to know our Bibles. We want to read what does God really say in his word? How can we be right with God? I'll give you an example. That is an example from history why it's a big deal. And there's still indulgences today, by the way. Um, And you can do different things, according to the Catholic Church, to earn some forgiveness. But obviously, the whole point of the sermon is that that's not true. Um, We can't be saved. We can't be justified by our works. I'll give you an example here. This is from my own life. One time... uh, I'll give you two examples. One time, uh, I went, we got invited to this Catholic service or whatever. And it was, uh, I was sharing all these things like Romans 4 with these Catholics on at campus, and Ryan Skinner was there too. And 
had this whole, it was kind of an interesting deal where like Catholic after Catholic kept coming up. So it was like I'd talk to one guy and they'd have to go to class and by then his other friend had come and then they would leave and I'd just keep talking on this conversation. And they said like, we don't have the answers, but come to our Catholic meeting and we'll, you can talk to the priest and the, the guy who runs the Catholic center or whatever and we'll talk it out, you know, or whatever. So I went and talking to the like leader or whatever who like runs the this Catholic center and also talk to the priest, but, um, and I started quoting, I said, I started saying this. If it's by grace, it's no longer by works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. And the guy who I was talking with, the leader of this Catholic church, Catholic uh, ministry, said, like, no, 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 that is absolutely wrong. And he interrupted me and stopped me. And I said, and that's Romans eleven six. And then he, like, he looked kind of scared. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, that should be scary. I mean, it's like, I was quoting you the Bible, and you, like, you disbelieved it so strongly, you stopped me, interrupted me, and you strongly said, that's absolutely wrong. I was like, doesn't that bother you? <laughs> you know, that's scary, you know. Um, this is real. You know, this stuff is still around. Um, there's another example. Uh, again, I was with Ryan Skinner. We used to go down to the bars and um, pass out tracks um, in the evenings which I don't do anymore because you don't want to do it alone. But if anyone wants to go down to the bars and pass out tracks, um, uh, I, you can come with me sometime. But I don't have anybody to go with me anymore. But um, all that is to say, there's times down there where I pass out tracks, and um, one of the guys, I said, how can you be right with God? And talk, started talking to this guy, and he's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I don't really care. That's why I'm going to church tomorrow, you know, um, because... Uh, the priest is the one that forgives my sins, and it was really sad, you know. And we talked about Jesus, um, but the reality is, there's many people that are trusting somebody other than Jesus. They're trusting the priest. They're trusting their own righteousness. Um, it's really, really important. So how do we apply this to our lives? Well, one, we want to worship God. We want to be really thankful that God cares about us as individuals, whether no matter high or no matter how low. Think about the context here in Titus. He's writing, remember that section where he talked about slaves? It's like slaves are like the lowest of the low in the, in the, in the Roman society. There's this guy who one of the emperors put in, in charge of the whole empire. Well, remember I talked about the emperor that didn't like Rome so he moved off to an island. Okay, so he put this guy in charge um, of all of Rome, and then that guy basically was the emperor for a long time, but just not a name. He was just running the empire for the emperor. And eventually after, I don't remember how long it was, like a decade or something, he asked the emperor, I'd really like to marry this widow in your family. And the emperor said back to him, are you serious? You're not even a senator. No way. You know, you're, a, you're lowly, you know. So think about that, like the class system here that, they're speaking into that guy was not a slave right he was a um, he was higher than that but because he wasn't very high up on the you know the class system there he could run the whole empire but he certainly could not marry anybody in the emperor's family so you see how like integral and like how much of your value that they were putting on these class systems right and think about here paul in titus is talking to slaves 
And he's telling them about Jesus, right? He's telling them that we can be saved apart from our works. Remember that section where he was talking about how slaves um, should basically please God wherever they are? The reason I bring all that up is to point out this whole section on justification is for every person, no matter how high, no matter how low, no matter how much you've done wrong, there's justification for you. That's amazing. It's really, really amazing. It's radical. God loves you as an individual. You're not the best person in the world. You're not even a good person. You're a sinner. But God loves you, and he sent his son to die for you and to justify you, whether you're, you got $0 in your bank account or a million dollars in your bank account, that what gives you value and worth is Jesus. Um, and he loves you enough to come and, and die for your sins. It's a big deal. You know, there's kind of interesting that some of these letters, like the next letter here, Philemon, is probably on the next page here. A bunch of the um, commentators, uh, famous like early Christian writers in uh, the, the 4th century, like the 300s, uh, were actually apologized for this next letter that's about uh, Paul talking about a slave. And they basically apologize. It's like, yeah, it is too bad that Paul spent his time talking about this one slave <laughs> and not some other theology or whatever. Kind of shows, even then, back you know when Rome was still around. But God loving slaves, and even Paul writing this letter to a slave, is so radical that... How much more? I mean, think about it this way. Paul writing this letter, and including slaves in Titus, or the next ver- chapter and verse um, is Philemon 1. This whole letter about a slave is nothing compared to Jesus dying for and loving slaves and adopting them as a son. It's amazing. And so, let's wrap it up here and just say this. We can be thankful for this section here. We can be thankful and worship and marvel that God, what he wanted to do was save people, not based on who's the best, but give out, a, offer a free gift of justification by his blood, by grace, through faith. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. You come and you trust him, and he'll wash away your sins. He'll free you from the guilt. He'll free you from the wrath. Because that's who he is, because of his goodness and love, that he loves sinners. We can be thankful, we can marvel, we can worship, we can worship God and be looking to him as, as our Savior and as our God. And it kind of ties into verse 8. I want you to insist on these things. We can be wrong on a lot of things with this, we're going to hold on to this, right? We're going to insist on this and... We're not going to let go of the gospel. We're not going to let go of what Jesus did for us. We're not going to compromise it. We're not going to mix it with anything else. not going to be saved by our faith plus our baptism or anything like that. We're going to trust Jesus, what he did for us on the cross, and hold on fast because we don't want to lose the gospel. And so that's why Paul, I believe here, even in this super short letter that was probably on, you know, maybe one page front and back or... um, something like that would take the time to remind us again that we're justified apart from works. We're justified by what Jesus did for us and we can be thankful for him and his heart towards us. Let's pray. Jesus, we do thank you. Um, There's a 
just so much more we could say and probably already said too much, but we're thankful for what you've done. We're thankful that you made a way for us apart from our works. We're thankful for who you are, thankful that you love us despite our sin, thankful for dying on the cross. Um, We just do pray that people would be saved, people would be delivered from false gospels and trusting their own righteousness. I just pray for the friends and um, people we've met uh, that are still just trying to earn their way, have mercy on them. I pray you'd open their eyes. Um, pray maybe they'd even read Romans 4 today or in the next week or something. Thank you so much uh, for your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's clear over and over and over. Pray this time would be profitable and um, something would would help every person. Ask this in your name. Amen.